welcome to Running Scared. I'm Coach Christine. I'm a level two RRCA and a Run Walk Run certified coach. And more importantly than that, I am someone who enjoys getting out for a run with a little bit of something to keep me motivated, keep me going. And that usually is a little bit of true crime. I assume that's the case for you as well as you are here. So welcome on in, friend. You have found your corner of the internet and we're going to be besties. Let's get started right into today's workout with a strong, tall, five-minute walking warm-up in three, two, and one. Let's do this. Starting off with a five-minute walking warm-up because that gives you plenty of time to wake up your body, warm up a little bit of creating an inner heat, and allows us to go over what you should expect for today and this workout. So first and foremost, I've already alluded to it, I've already kind of mentioned it, but I want you nice and tall, really elongate your spine, engaging your core, staying relaxed with your shoulders down and back. You're staying light on your feet. If you're rolling through outdoors, well, this is a true crime coach cast. So you know how we roll. We wanna be mindful of our surroundings wearing bright visible clothing someone knows where you're at or at least when to expect you if that hasn't happened yet this is a great time to pull your phone out of your pocket go ahead and shoot a text to a loved one let them know where you're heading what time you can be done here now if you're inside on a treadmill we've got some points to get you going and moving in the right direction. Let's make sure we bring that incline up to at least a 1% incline that's gonna help to minimize the impact on our joints and it will mimic the outdoors. Well, my friends, recently the world experienced the loss of an individual that has been very aptly described as a stabilizing force within a world of constant change. She was a source of comfort and pride for generations of Britons including many who have never known their country without her, the Queen Majesty of England. Her Majesty's reign lasted seven decades, and when she left this earth at 96 years of age, she had seen many changes. She sat as the monarch of her country and beloved matriarch of the royal family. And if you're wondering, how in the world does this tie into true crime? Well, my friend, you don't get to live. 96 years on this earth without seeing and experiencing some things. So for today's case, we're going to pay a little bit of homage to the queen, the royal family, and we're going to learn about the attempted kidnapping of Princess Anne, her daughter. Let me go on to tell you that there were seven men in total who tried to stop this kidnapper from taking off with Princess Anne, Queen Elizabeth's only daughter. There was a tabloid journalist, a former boxer, two chauffeurs, three policemen. They all faced off with this crazed kidnapper, but it was the princess herself, a force to be reckoned with in her own right, who kept the men distracted from his goal. Cool, isn't it? Well, before we learn more about the case and we get started into the main part of our workout, let's talk about what you can expect from today's workout. So great job on warming it up a little bit. I'm going to use the rate of perceived effort to structure this workout. That's the RPE scale. It starts from one, goes all the way to 10. One is a lemon peasy, easy squeezy stroll. Maybe you're chit-chatting with your bestie. You're talking about binge watching the crown. 
or you might be talking about your new favorite running scared podcast. 10 is an all out sprint like there's a murderer heading your way and you are sprinting to save your life. Well, today with this progression run, we're going to head right into a three to four. That's a conversational pace. Then with each successive segment, we're going to put a little bit of pedal to the metal until we finish up with our final segment, which will be a sprint at that effort level of nine to 10. Then we'll finish up with a walking cool down, letting our body kind of get a bit of reprieve from the hard work that we're going to do. If at any point in today's workout, you feel that you need to pull back the pace, you want to take a sip of water, you want to walk it out, you are in control and you are more than welcome to do so by listening to your body. But I want you to be confident because likely you are capable of more than you give yourself credit for. This workout's no different. Okay, my friends, I know you're ready. You want to learn all about this royal kidnapping plot that was hatched by a madman. We're going to wrap up this walk. We're going to head right into our conversation pace segment. We're going in three, two, one. Let's roll. Great work. This first block is going to be five minutes at that easy conversation pace. Plenty of time to get your body a little bit more acclimated to that slightly harder effort than the walk that we were rolling through. Also, we're keeping it conversational so that if I was running shoulder to shoulder with you in person, we'd be able to discuss this case and neither one of us would lose our breath. So let's get right to it. Let's set the stage. It's 8 p.m. on March 20th, 1974, and Princess Anne and her husband of about four months Captain Mark Phillips were heading back home towards Buckingham Palace after attending a charity film screening. Anne also had her lady-in-waiting with her, Rowena Jane Brassie, who sat across from the couple in the back of a maroon Rolls-Royce limousine marked with the royal insignia. And in the passenger seat of this Rolls-Royce rode the bodyguard, Inspector James Wallace Beaton. Immediately, Whitney Houston's bodyguard movie comes to play, but that didn't happen here. Now, Inspector Beaton was a member of the SO14 Scotland Yard's Special Operations Branch charged with royal protection. And if you aren't sure what the Scotland Yard is, probably because you are like me and you're here in the U.S., well, Scotland Yard is the headquarters of the Metropolitan Police That's the Territorial Police Force responsible for policing the 32 boroughs of London. See? A little bit of education with this run. (laughs) Well, back to this night on March 20th. As the chauffeur of the car was driving down the mall, a road that runs between London's Trafalgar Square. Did I say that right? Probably not. Square in Buckingham Palace, a white Ford Escort overtook and forced him to stop about 200 yards away from the palace. I don't know how a Ford Escort overtook a Rolls Royce, but it's not up to me to come up with those explanations. (laughs) 
A bearded man with light red hair exited the Ford Escort, heading towards the rear of this limousine, and he was holding two handguns. Well, Inspector Beaton got right out of the car. He didn't really think that it was that serious, though. He just assumed that this man was likely a disgruntled driver and didn't know that he was on his way towards the Royal Limousine. Well, Inspector Beaton was the only officer assigned to protect the princess that night because at that time, there wasn't a specific training afforded to royal protection officers. There was really little concern or worry of any threat to the members of the family. Even the queen during that time frame would only travel with one armed guard at the time while she was executing her official duties. So this, was, this wasn't weird, friends. The man holding the gun was Ian Ball, an unemployed laborer from North London, he decided he was going to greet Inspector Beaton by shooting him in his right shoulder. We've got 90 seconds to go before we push up that pace a little bit. So this is a great time to check our shoulders, actually making sure that they're down and back. We're staying relaxed as we roll through here. In aiming to kidnap Anne, Ian Ball was targeting the celebrity royal of Britain's day. Like, at that time, Princess Anne was everywhere. The previous November, the 23-year-old princess had married a commoner. Such a scandal. Captain Mark Phillips was the captain in the British Army, and the two had met through equestrian circles. The talented horseman had won a team gold medal at the 1972 Munich Olympics, and in 1971, the BBC had named Princess Anne later an Olympian equestrian along with Phillips in the 1976 games as its sports personality of the year. Their nuptials attracted 2,000 guests and the New York Times said that the televised audience of 500 million was quote unquote the most ever. Kind of like it was super extra for a wedding. On the night of the kidnapping attempt, although Ian would not have known the details and the route that the limousine would have taken that night, the palace had publicized Princess Anne's appearance at the film screening charity event, and that made it easy for someone to follow the maroon Rolls Royce as it escorted her from the theater that evening. Friends, it's that time. Let's push it up for four minutes into that next block. This is a five or six and three, two, or one. Let's go. Going a little bit stronger here. Giving yourself some time to just ease into a little bit of that faster pace. At 26 years of age, Ian Ball was suffering with mental illness and he had rented a car under the name of John Williams, in which police would later find two pairs of handcuffs, Valium tranquilizers, and a ransom letter addressed to the Queen. He had typed a pretty rambling note that criticized the royal family and he had demanded two million pounds as a ransom to be delivered and five pounds sterling notes. Ian had asked that the queen have the money stored in 20 unlocked suitcases and put on a plane destined for Switzerland. Queen Elizabeth II herself wrote Ian Ball need to appear on the plane to confirm the authenticity of her signatures on needed paperwork. 
All right, so I think we can all agree he definitely was suffering from some mental illness if he thought any of that stuff was gonna go down that way. But although a few of London's Metropolitan Police carried guns, those assigned to protect the royal family carried automatic weapons. So Inspector Beaton tried to shoot Ian Ball, but because his wounded shoulder had hurt his aim, he really wasn't able to take Ian down. And unfortunately, after firing that one time, his gun jammed. Ian Ball then turned to the rear side of the car, the rear door behind the driver's seat, and started shaking it. Ian sat on the other side, and he yelled at her through the door in the window, open or I'll shoot, he yelled. As the princess and her husband, Captain Phillips, did their best to hold the door shut, Princess Anne's lady-in-waiting, Rowena, crawled out the door on the passenger side. She was like, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> Seriously. She just dipped right on out. Inspector Beaton took this as an opportunity to jump back into the limo. He then placed himself between the couple and Ian who had shot into the car. So Inspector Beaton's hand deflected the bullet. That's some seriously superhero stuff right there. And Ian shot at him a third time. That was a wound that forced Inspector Beaton out of the car and onto the ground. Chauffeur Alexander Callender, one of the Queen's drivers, stepped out to confront Ian at this point. But, well, we already know, Ian's, he's got a focus. So he shot at the chauffeur in the chest, and Alex, the royal driver, fell back into the car. Pulling the back door open, Ian Ball grabbed Anne's forearm as her husband, Philip, tried to hold onto her by holding onto her waist. Ian then proceeds to say to Princess Anne, please come out, you've got to come with me. Okay, the most polite kidnapper ever. <laughs> as the two men struggled over Anne, Anne trying to get her out and her husband trying to keep her in the car, her dress ripped, splitting down the back. But instead of panicking, she had what she later called, in her words, a very irritating conversation with her potential kidnapper. And friends, what she said was, I kept saying I didn't want to get out of the car and I was not going to get out of the car to Ian is what she told to the police. We're going to go ahead and push up that pace again, taking it into a three minute block. A little faster in three, two, one. Pushing into that seven to eight It's more of a one word pace or a one sentence pace. But you've got this, friends. And Princess Anne went on to say that when he continued to plea that she come with him, she said, bloody likely. <laughs> she said I was, well, she goes on to say that she was very determined not to let him take her. And her husband, Captain Phillips, said, I was frightened. I won't mind admitting it. The scariest part he remembered was feeling like a caged animal because when the police officers started to arrive to the scene, the rescue was there. He was like, it was so far, but it was it was so near all at the same time because the constables, that's a fancy British word for police officers, 
hesitated to advance on an armed man so near the princess. It's understandable. I can, they're just, they don't want to be the ones to hurt the royal princess, of course. Well, police constable Michael Hills, 22 at the time, was first on the scene and patrolling nearby when he had heard the sounds of a struggle. He assumed the conflict was over a car accident, but he approached Ian and touched his shoulder. The gunman turned and shot police constable Hills in the stomach. Before collapsing, though, Constable Hills maintained enough strength to radio his station. During all this, Another individual, Ronald Russell, a company cleaning executive, was driving home from work when he saw the scene on the side of the road. He approached on foot after seeing Ian Ball confront Officer Hills. Ronald Russell later says that he said, I thought to myself, he needs some sorting. In a six foot four former boxer, Ronald advanced to punish the shooter for hurting a policeman. We've got 60 more seconds here, friends before we take it up a little bit more into our next two-minute block. Again, we had another passerby stop, another motorist, a chauffeur named Glenmore Martin, who had parked his car in front of the white Ford to keep Ian Ball from escaping. He also tried to distract him, but when the gunman aimed at him, Martin turned to help Officer Hill on the side of the road. Meanwhile, the tabloid journalist from the Daily Mail John Brian McConnell came onto the scene, recognizing the insignia on the limo and probably trying to get a little bit of a scoop. He knew a member of the royal family was in danger, and he said to him, in quote, don't be silly, old boy. Put the gun down. But well, Ian was in it to win it, and he shot the journalist as well, who fell to the road, becoming the third man bleeding onto the pavement. We'll learn more in our next block. Let's go in three two one you're pushing up that pace for two minutes let's go let's go after he fell ian ball turned back to his struggle for princess anne ronald russell approached him now that's the boxer from behind and punched ian in the back of the head while ronald had distracted the gunman and then reached for the door handle on the opposite side of the back seat she opened it and she pushed her body backward out of the car she said, I thought that if I was out of the car that he might move, and she was right, because Ian then ran around the car towards the princess, but as he did that, she jumped back into the car with her husband, and they shut the door again. Ronald Russell then punched Ian in the face. More police officers were now witnessing the action. Princess Anne noticed her presence made Ian Ball nervous, so she said to him, go on, now is your chance to escape. And well, he must have agreed because he did. Ian took off running. Peter Edmonds, a temporary detective. By the way, friends, as I'm saying all this, I just, I can tell. It had to have been absolute madness because even trying to relay this story, it's not a lot of time that's elapsing when all this is going on. So it was definitely kind of kooky. I'm impressed they were able to get all of these details sorted out as well as they did. But back to Peter Edmonds, a temporary detective constable. He had heard Officer Hill's call regarding the attack. As he pulled up onto the scene in his own car, he saw the man take off with a gun through St. Jams Park. So he chased the kidnapper, the wannabe kidnapper, threw his coat over his head, tackled him, and made an arrest. Authorities found over 300 pounds in the denomination of 10-pound notes on 
the person of Ian Ball. Later, they learned that earlier that month, Ian had rented a home on a dead-end road in Hampshire, five miles away from the Sandhurst Military Academy, which was also the home of Princess Anne and Captain Phillips. We're going to learn more as we keep pushing at the pace, my friends. Let's go. Three, two, and one. This is your final 60-second hard effort block, and then we're going to pull back into either our cool-down walk or if you prefer a light jog on the other side. You've got this. Staying strong, staying focused, pushing up that pace. Thinking about chasing down this attempted kidnapper down through protecting the royal family. Or maybe you're kind of like the lady in waiting. You're like, see, it wouldn't want to be you. And you're just running as fast as you can to get away from this crazed madman. Either way, I'm not going to judge. We're here for just 15 more seconds before we bring it back down into our cool down. I know this went very quick, friends. And five, four, three, two, and one. Great work. Five minutes here for this express progression run workout. Well, the next day, headlines around America reviewed the night's events, saying Princess Anne escapes assassin or a lone gunman charged in royal kidnap plot. You know, all the clickbait type titles like security increases around Prince Charles. Witness who is now the king. Witnesses describe panic on the mall and queen is horrified at attack on princess. Well, but because British laws are the way that they are, they actually limit pretrial publicity. So at that time, the residents of the UK didn't actually get to find a lot of details out. But Home Secretary Roy Jenkins ordered an investigative report for the Prime Minister and told the press that the investigation needed to remain broadly confidential. Both Scotland Yard and Buckingham Palace refused to comment on specific details. Some work you're bringing it back down you're still cooling it down that heart rate should be returning to normal well journalists they did what journalists do they scrambled to pull together theories on how a mentally ill unemployed man could have masterminded a well-funded kidnapping attempt on his own an office clerk told a reporter that the police had traced a typewriter that Ian had rented to write the ransom letter. Papers reported that one line of the letter read, Anne will be shot dead. Days after the kidnapping attempt, a group calling themselves the Marxist Leninist Activist Revolutionary Movement they need to rebrand because that's a mouthful, sent a letter claiming responsibility to the Times of London. Scotland Yard dismissed any connection between that group and Ian Ball. Others recognized a familiar theme in the reported content of the ransom letter in which Ian Ball had allegedly stated that he would donate the Queen's ransom to the National Health Services. One month before, a group identifying as the Symbionese Liberation Army had kidnapped Patricia Hurst. In its communication with the Hearst family, the SLA said that they would return the young woman if her family donated what would amount to millions of dollars of food to hungry Californians. 
So again, we're seeing kind of a little bit of an inspiration from previous cases in playing into Ian's motives. But Secretary Jenkins went on to say there's no present indication that this was anything other than an isolated act by one individual and the House of Commons agreed with him. And they also found that the investigation would remain confidential. Secretary Jenkins told the papers that he ordered an increase in royal protection but refused to comment on the details and Buckingham Palace released a statement saying that the royal family had, in their words, quote, no intention of living in bulletproof cages, unquote. Chief among them was Princess Anne who valued her privacy even after recognizing fortune and escaping relatively unscathed. She said there was only one man, and if there had been more than one, it might have been a different story. The princess recognized in an interview that one's greatest danger is perhaps the lone nutcases <laughs> that have just got enough resources to put a crime together. If anybody was serious on wiping one out, it would be very easy to do so. When Ian appeared in court on April 4th, his lawyer spoke about the history of mental illness and Ian also gave a statement on what motivated his crime. He said, I would like to say that I did it because I wish to draw attention to the lack of facilities for treating mental illness under the National Health Service. Ian pleaded guilty to attempted murder and kidnapping charges and sentenced to a life term in mental health facility. He spent at least part of his sentence term at Broadmoor, which is a high security psychiatric hospital. And even after Ian Ball's sentencing, the public still knows very little about him at this point. But, my friends, the day after the attack, Princess Anne and Captain Mark Phillips returned to their routine at their home on the grounds of Sandhurst. He went on to instruct cadets at the rifle range, and she tended to her horses. And that September of the same year, 1974, Queen Elizabeth II awarded the George Cross, which is Britain's highest civilian award for courage to Inspector Beaton. She presented the George Medal, the second highest civilian honor for bravery to police constable Hills and Ronald Russell, the boxer, and Queen's Gallantry Medals, which is the third highest honor to police constable Edmonds, John Brian McConnell, and Alexander Callender. Glenmore Martin received the Queen's commendation for brave conduct. Ronald Russell recalled later on that Queen Elizabeth said to him as she presented the George Cross Medal, this medal is from the Queen of England and the thank you is from Anne's mother. So my friends, great work getting in your workout today, your run. Hopefully you feel a little bit of extra pep in your step. I got two really big lessons from this particular case. One is that even if you're being kidnapped or you are a kidnapper or trying to stop a kidnapper, the Brits are still incredibly polite. <laughs> and number two, Princess Anne is just as badass as her mother was. And I want to wish the royal family much love and peace during their time of mourning. My friends, please be safe. Take care of yourselves. Be kind to others. And great work with this run. Please, I would appreciate if you would subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions or feedback to me, reach out at christine at runwinefinishlines.com. And as always, I appreciate you for running scared with Coach Christine.